Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. All this week we'll be featuring sermons from the recent 2023 Bible Conference in Tempe, Arizona, pastored by Mark Olson. We hope these are a blessing to you, and we're sure they will be. Thanks for listening and supporting world evangelism, and enjoy today's sermon. Thank you. Testing. <laughs> Don't get me in trouble. Praise the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord. It's good to be here tonight. appreciate that, Pastor, very much. Uh, I want to just uh, do a few uh, shout-outs as well. Kevin Murdoch, where are you? Praise the Lord. Where are you? Right there. Okay. You don't know what you've done for the African churches. I hope you understand. The, the, the George Wing is known as the most strongest wing of the entire South African fellowship. And it's largely because of you, okay? So I really appreciate your ministry. Let's give Kevin a big hand. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You know, he's keeping us together. If you're a prayer warrior, uh, he's keeping us together. Okay, and he's keeping us updated with where, what's going on. A few, a few other things as well. We just had our 40th anniversary uh, of the Claremont Church, and we had uh, it was. It was like light. I don't know if you've ever seen those pictures where lightning strikes the ground and then it shoots sideways. Man, I had people sending me texts. I was electrified by what took place. If you were there, you, I mean, it was one of those things where you just had to be there. But Pastor Olson was there and he preached the first night, he preached a sermon called The Call to Stay. And very much about the dignity of the local people in the church. But I want to, uh, one of our ladies wrote a poem, very cheeky New Yorker named Julie. Uh, <laughs> She wrote a poem about our, uh, about, about this, uh, this 40th anniversary, and I want to read it to Rick and Kathy Buckles, because they gave 40 years of their life, and now they're pioneering across the cr- country, okay? She does nursery more than anybody else in that church at 63 years old, okay? This is stellar, stellar behavior. Okay, and Rick Buckles is the most creative, one of the most creative people that I've ever known and been at it and built a powerful New Testament church in Malta and left this church uh, here in San Diego, did an amazing job. So this is for you. And where's Rick? There they are right there. Okay, they're they're just amazing people. Uh, We won't know this side of heaven of all the good that you have done. We won't know the total impact of the amazing races that you have run. But in the past 40 years, we can look back and see Many of the lives you've helped change and the generations you've helped to free. Potter's House Claremont is thriving here today because of all of your love and all of your labor you've poured in along the way. God bless you, my friend. Take care. I want to show you just uh, to a couple slides here real quick. We are going to Israel this year, so we leave on November 7th. We haven't been going for about the last four years because of COVID and a number of other things, 
But uh, be aware, we are going to be going. We are leaving no, November 7th, nonstop out of Los Angeles. We used to go through Chicago and, and uh, Frankfurt. I've helped for the last 14 years on this tour. And it's a great blessing. If you can possibly afford to go, I really want to encourage you to go uh, to uh, Israel with us. November 7th, we uh, fly out of at about 1.30 in the afternoon on November 7th. And we come back on the 16th of November. I want to show you a picture here real quick, if I can. This is uh, us in Mexico. Uh, Gustavo Galvan, who is, he's going to build a, a powerful uh, conference church in Tijuana. I don't know if you know that's going on, but that's what's going on across the border there. Okay. He, he, this guy's an amazing uh, pastor, him and Karina. And by the way, they're not Mexican uh, or Hispanic. Okay. They're from Uruguay, him and his brother, and his wife is Guatemalan, and they're giving their life to Mexico. Our fellowship is the most amazing fellowship in the world, okay? Anyway, they, they tracked this couple. We had lost a bit of contact with this couple. We have a church in Uruguay, and uh, anyway, we hadn't lost track of them, but they, we haven't been able to get them out of the country for years and years and years. And he finally fought to get them out of the country and bring them to Mexico. So I was able to cross the border and go and have breakfast with them, but they took them to the Mexican uh, Bible Conference in Nogales, the leadership conference. They heard 17 sermons in their own language, all because of Gustavo and, Gus, uh, and Karina Galvan. I'm very thankful for all that he's doing across the border. And uh, that's, that's them there. That's Ernie Toppin. He was there preaching for us. And <laughs> that's them to the right. And that's Jorge and Cecilia Ojeda. So I wanted to share that with you because that's part of your fruit as well. Okay. And so uh, be aware of that. Uh, next, praise the Lord. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled, Becoming an Honorable Son or Daughter. Becoming an Honorable Everybody say it with me. Becoming an honorable son or daughter. Each one of those words is important because you are all becoming something. Some good things and some bad things. Most people say, I'm like wine. I get better with time. No, you don't. No, you don't. Okay. Not without God. Okay. And you will either become an honorable son, or you'll become a dishonorable son. I want to tell you, I was sitting in charge of my car the other day because I drive electric because I live in Cali, and uh, <laughs> it's a joke, relax. <laughs> but I was, I was sitting dri- charging my car about 4 o'clock in the morning because I don't sleep, especially when I have to preach on Wednesday. And uh, <laughs> so I'm charging there, and I'm, I'm about to change my sermon because somebody used this very scripture in the harvesters, and I'm about to change it. I'm sitting in the car, and I'm starting to go through my notes. I'm going to preach something else. And God says, I didn't tell you to change your sermon. Never mind, Lord. I, uh, <laughs> never mind. I, so I'm going to flip back where I was supposed to be. So anywho, that this, but the, he preached a powerful sermon out of this, this uh, portion of Scripture. But uh, I'm going to add some other, uh, extra uh, things in here. So we're going to read two Scriptures, actually. One of them is on the board there. It's, it's uh, uh, Psalms chapter 68, verse number 6. Uh, through 8, and then I'm going to read down in Genesis chapter 9. Let's go ahead and read, if we can, together. Uh, verse. Uh, this is Psalm 68, 6, and then you, if you want, you can put your uh, finger in Genesis chapter 9. The Bible says, God sets the solitary in families, and I've added in there in church families, including adoptions. Okay, those are my extra words. He brings those who are bound into prosperity. Everybody say prosperity. Because I know you all want to be prosperous. But the rebellious will dwell in a dry land. Hmm. Genesis chapter 9, let's read about three sons, two that were honorable and one that was dishonorable. 
The sons of Noah who came out of the ship were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah. From these three, the whole earth was populated. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and told his two brothers who were outside the tent. Shem and Japheth took a cloak, held it between them from their shoulders, walked backwards and covered their father's nakedness, keeping their faces turned away so that they did not see their father's exposed body. When Noah woke up with his hangover, he learned what his youngest son had done. Verse 25. He said, Cursed be Canaan, a slave of slaves, a slave to his brothers. Verse 26, Blessed be God, the God of Shem, but Canaan shall be his slave. God prospered Japheth, living spaciously in the tents of Shem, but Canaan shall be his slave. Noah lived another 350 years following the flood. He lived a total of 950 years, and he died. I want to preach a sermon called Becoming an Honorable Son or Daughter. Because whatever other success you may have, the way your family is going to judge you is how you treat mom and dad. Can I get an amen? amen. I don't know. You have all the success in the world, but what kind of a family member person are you? That's really what it comes down to, and it has also a lot to do with the family of God as well. Let's look a little bit deeper at our text. In our text, we have a family. Father and sons, and the Hebrew word word we used here is the word Abba, used of God as father of his people. It is also used as the head or founder of a household, used of benevolence and of protection, a ruler or a chief. Noah had great responsibility. And here in this first generation after the flood, he has to train and teach those of his family for the rest of their lives. He is the only trainer, if you think about that. Train them for a life of work. He has to be an example because there's nobody else to be an example. God's basically flooded them all out of the earth. Of the earth. This is a pre-flood. He is a carpenter and a preacher. After the flood, he becomes a farmer. And unfortunately, the first thing that he plants is some grapes so he can go and get drunk. He has to be the best example of how it is to be married to a woman in marriage, uh, in working and all of these things. He has to be the best example. He is the only example that these boys had uh, in life, in relationship with God, his creator. It was Noah who had to show how to walk with God, to be an example, and to train his family. This he did well. Our scripture testifies that he was a righteous man before, he's a righteous man after. And I added that last part because I want you to know, he lived another 950 years. You know, how is it? You know, I don't know if you know this, but Northern California is very well known for its wine growing area. And it's, uh, it, it's where all the fine wines of Northern California come from. If you know, talk to anybody who's a true vintner that raises grapes, they will tell you that their father is Father Noah. How is it that a man of God has his fingers on the greatest tool that the devil ever invented for destroying people's lives? It's stunning. Uh, it, it, you just can't even believe that that's actually in the Bible. Cracks got nothing on alcohol. The woman being beat right now in Ireland is because of alcohol. The one being beat in South Africa is because of alcohol. And you have a man of God with his dirty hands on the growing of these grapes. Very fascinating stuff. And God does not leave him 
the way that we want God to leave him. Because we think to ourselves, well, he's the one that got naked and got drunk. By the way, they always go together. <laughs> right? Just saying. <laughs> there, there, I think there's a great misunderstanding, by the way, on discipleship. It is, it's, it's really not performing for other people. It's being a good family member. In one sense, when I come back to Tempe, I'm amongst my bros. And it feels really good to be amongst my bros. You know, and there's just such a great feeling is you don't have to perform amongst your family because you're just a good family member. So discipleship is really not performance. It's about being a good family member, at least in my uh, uh, my my thinking of things, you know, about being a good father, a, a good sister, a good brother, a good daughter, a good son. All of that has to do with discipleship. Let's talk, first of all, about what is an honorable son is. And then we'll talk about what what is not. And then we'll talk about how to become an honorable son. Honor is defined as showing esteem for one deserving of respect, attention, or obedience. To honor God is to revere and fear Him. Only the Lord is deserving of such ultimate glory or reverent fear. True honor for God has the basis and model for honoring of others, like parents, pastors, and each other. We are to be good family members. It is a son who brings honor and delight and blessing upon his parents and especially his father. In our text, we have two honorable sons, one non-honorable son, but we will get to that in a moment. The entire book of Genesis starts with the story of a family, which is instructive to you and I, because anything that would be important later on normally is mentioned in the book of Genesis. That's why it's called the book of Genesis. And here we have a family, a dysfunctional family, but we have a family, and it was meant to be an example of how the kingdom of God would be run as well as it is not just an interesting story about a family. Proverbs chapter 10, verse number 1 says, The Proverbs of Solomon, a wise son, notice, maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. The message paraphrase puts it like this, A wise son, glad father, stupid son, sad mother. (sighs) You are supposed to be a good son or a good daughter of this congregation. This is our mother church, and Prescott is their mother church. But we want all of us to be good sons. Please notice as I go through the scriptures here that they refer to the mother and the father either being pleased or unpleased with their son, and that being the definition of an honorable son that brings happiness and blessing to his father and to his mother. This generation is so narcissistic, they would never get that. They would never understand that you are to please your mother and your father, not the other way around. This generation blames their father and their mother for every problem that they have. I have never, never, never understood how that's possible. Each man is led away of his own lust. I I tell people who bring that nonsense into my office, you stop blaming your parents right now because you will never grow up if this continues because you have an excuse of why you are the way that you are. Proverbs 15.20 says, A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Verse 20 says, Intelligent children make their parents proud. Lazy students embarrass their parents. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20 through 22. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law 
of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. The message paraphrase says, Good friend, follow your father's good advice. Don't wander off from your mother's teachings. Wrap yourself in them from head to toe. Wear them like a scarf around your neck. It seems like very serious stuff here in Scripture that the son is subject to the father and the mother and not the other way around. We're going to talk about what it means to be an honorable son. And this gets us to a good start, though. Keeping a right spirit in the family is key to being honorable son. And it gets a little closer to how discipleship works. John chapter 17, verses 1 and 2 says, Father, it's time. Display the bright splendor of your son, so the son in turn may show your bright splendor. You put him in charge of everything human, but he, uh, so he might give real and eternal life to all those are in charge of, that he is in charge of. Again, we notice in this text that God uses the family, his family, as an example of the way that God will, uh, comes to pass, God's will comes to pass on earth. How many people have you, uh, how many of you today remember the song, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God? You know, I used to sing that song, uh, thinking to myself, I am very glad because I know how crazy my family is. So now you're like part of a new family. So it's like, wow, this is really cool. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, you're part of a new family. It's called the family of God. Okay? But, it, but you have responsibilities in that family. Make no mistake about it. It's not this ooey-gooey, let's hug each other nonsense. You have responsibilities as a son or responsibilities as a brother. You know, when you backslide, you hurt every brother in your church. And, I, and I'm talking to all the person. I know there are many churches that are represented here, but I want to tell you something. It's not all about you. You're hurting your brother, man. You're hurting your sister. And if you can't make it, then they say, why? I don't even think I can make it. But nobody ever thinks that way when they're getting selfish. Man, they're just going to get selfish. And it's all about them. What about the rest of the body of Christ? Where, where is your responsibility to the body of Christ? Now, I'm trying to be very nice here. Let's go here. <laughs> When discipleship is looked at in this way, it becomes less of a performance and more of the idea of being a good son to your church, to your fellowship, and to your people. You know what? I want to know that I left this planet and I had done my part to keep the people of God together. You know what I'm saying? I don't want, I don't want my words or my, my bad uh, attitude about somebody getting into the, the vibe of the church. You know what? Cease and desist before you break yourself. You know, my, my, my wife was in Texas and uh, visiting our grandchild. Uh, they, they passed her in Lubbock, Texas, and she was in a Christian bookstore because we don't have one in San Diego. Um, three and a half million people, but we don't need a Christian bookstore, don't you know? Yeah. Texas, you know, 40,000 people in a city, they have three. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> she got me a T-shirt that says, check thyself. It's in King James. Check thyself before thy wreck thyself. Thank you, dear. Appreciate that very much. I don't know if that was a warning to me or what the story is. But I do love that. I do love that shirt. The word honor, by the way, is used 33 times in the Bible. So it must have some meaning. It must have some type of uh, ramifications in our life, whether we're going to be honorable. Honor has to do with your real actions. 
It, most, most real good men do what they're told to do, and they do it when they're told to do it. Genesis chapter 34, verses 18 and 19, and it says, And their words pleased Hamar and Shechem, Hamar's son. So the young man did not delay to do the thing because he delighted in Jacob's daughter. He was more honorable than all the household of his father. So I'm going to mention a few of the 33 times that this word is used in the Bible. Why was he more honorable than all the others of his father's household? Well, he did right by Jacob's daughter. Honorable men become well known for their good deeds, not their good words. You know, there's somebody who said that those who are good at telling stories are rarely good at anything else. You know, you're very good with your mouth. People are very, they're masters at convincing people. And you know why they're so, they're, they, they, they never build any character because they can talk themselves out of a paper bag. You see, those people don't make very good Christians. You'll be known by your deeds, sir. Sister, you'll be known by your deeds. Not, not by what you say you're going to do one day, somehow, all of these things. You'll be known by your deeds. And we see that in some of the scriptures. When it comes to honor, it is always connected to good deeds. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6, And he said to him, Look now, there is in the city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. Why? Because he's doing good deeds for God. All that he says surely comes to pass. So let's go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. He is someone who sees the great need for good fathers in the earth, even as Denzel Washington, that great prophet of the Lord, uh, <laughs> has said that he sees the great need for fathers in his generation. He has a whole testimony where he talks about how he uh, had two friends, one of them did 28 years behind the bars, and another one that did 25 years behind the bars. These are his two best friends. He goes, you know the difference in my life is I had a father in my life. That father didn't even live in the house, but because he was in his life, it changed his behavior. Do you know that you're a better person because of the church that you're a part of? Well, I don't know about that. That's ridiculous. Oh, is it really? Hmm. Hmm. I would have to disagree, and so would Denzel. <laughs> Malachi chapter 4, verse 6, and says, He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. Well, well. Oh, that's the very old end of the Old Testament. What do we have here? Because he's going to turn the sons of the, the hearts of the sons to the fathers and the hearts of the fathers to the sons. And this is what he wants to do. And I think that's a prophecy speaking about the days to come and the born-again churches of today. The hearts of the children to the fathers, and lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. He is someone who also understands the need for fathers in the earth, and thus the need for himself to be a good son. And then eventually, he can be a good father. You see, being an honorable son is a much bigger issue than you most of us think. When I see people who don't get this, it breaks my heart that they don't see their exampleship long-term and its effects of their words against our spiritual fathers, their spiritual brothers. My brother, uh, Nick, works at Southwest Airlines. Everybody in my church hears a lot about Southwest Airlines. <laughs> it's really unfortunate, so I apologize to all the Claremonters that are here today. He works at Southwest Airlines, but every once in a while, he'll open up the door with a bunch of perverts that are perving over some girl, and he'll open up the door, and, and he'll open, She's somebody's daughter! He shut the door. Because he's a real man of God. He's also a council member in this church. <laughs> but guess what? You're also somebody's daughter and somebody's son. Okay? Somebody gave everything they had to get you saved. 
came to your little city and got you saved. Aren't you thankful? Man, you should be so thankful, man. I'm so thankful that the Tempe Church was here, that I, that I could come into a place where the gospel was being preached. I could be, I, I needed some serious brainwashing. And boy, they sure did a good job with me. I tell you what. Body slam after body slam after body slam. <laughs> Get it right, Joe. Get it right. There are sometimes, there, sometimes people are referred to as their own man. I don't know if you ever heard that phrase. But they're inspired by nobody but themselves. He has little or no respect for people who don't see things exactly as he does. And because of that, he'll break covenant. The son in our text is breaking covenant with his father. He sees it that way, whether, whether he sees it that way or not. And I believe that that is why the story is actually in the Bible, is to be instructive about how to be a good son, two good ones, and one bad one. You would say he owns the title, his own man. Well, you could not say, though, he owns the title of honorable son, at least in the Bible's definition. Not every thought that comes to our minds needs to come out of our mouth. Can I get an Amen. Well, I was thinking this the other day. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody asks you. You know, it's like, you know, it's like <laughs> why do you have to make everything broadcast? You have these oversharers now. You know, people need to put their clothes on, get off of Instagram, and, and do something with your life. Yeah, just throw that in just for a second. Okay. <laughs> and actually have some deeds that actually will make you honorable rather than 3,500 likes. Not every thought that comes to your mind should come out of your mouth. And sometimes you will cause conflict in the house of God because everything you say, you think, everything you think needs to come out of your mouth. Like everything's a revelation. So much of it is nonsense. You know, I think a lot of things that don't belong on the street. How about you? No? <laughs> Let me read you Proverbs 14, 15. Very interesting. The simple believes every word. But the prudent considers well his steps. A wise man fears and departs from evil, including evil coming from his lips, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. The simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. And the evil will bow before the good, and the wicked at the gates of the righteous. Let's talk secondly about what an honorable son is not. An honorable son does not run away when things are tough in their family. That includes in their church. If you think about it, Jesus came into the world to solve a family problem. Churches go through seasons, and a good son will not run. That even rhymes. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and a good son will not run. That's right. You don't run from your church. You're not an honorable son. You can go ahead and do whatever you want to do, but I can tell you, an honorable son sticks around. Okay, he sticks around even when his church is going through a hard time. I remember there was a time, it was a season in the Tempe Church where we met over in the annex. Didn't look nearly as nice as it does today, I can tell you that. <laughs> and we met over there, and Pastor was telling us that if you people don't start giving, we're going to lose this building. Okay, so we were going through a season uh, of, of, of difficulty. Today we own this building outright, and we're looking for a new property. That would not have been possible had the people who were in the church in those days not given. But we were going through a hard season, and this church has been through a few of those seasons. You don't run when your church is going through a hard time. And I'm talking about every church that's 5 people, 15 people, 20 people, 100 people. 
It doesn't matter. If your church is going through a hard time, you do not run if you're an honorable son. Aren't you glad that Jesus never became our main critic? Aren't you glad that Jesus came to help us and not to hurt us? We know how important your family life is by a number of scriptures. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse number 8 says, For if anyone does not provide for his own family, he is worse than an infidel. That's a harsh scripture. So it's talking about if you're not a good family member, you don't supply for your own family, that you're worse than an infidel. Very, very intense. The Bible says in the message paraphrase, these things to the people so that they will do the right thing in their extended families. Anyone who neglects to care for his family members in need repudiates the faith. That's worse than refusing to believe in the first place. That includes our extended church family. That's why we used to sing that song, I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God, born of the Spirit and washed in the blood. I am very, very blessed to be part of the Tempe wing. How about you? Do you have, you know, I, I'm, there are so many things that I'm thankful for, so it's hard for me to stick to my notes because I could go for an hour of the things that I'm thankful for. But there are a number of things that I am incredibly thankful for Pastor Olson, Pastor Chris, and the entire Tempe congregation who are my brothers and sisters. And they are your uh, great aunts and uncles if you're from some of the other churches. Aren't you glad that Jesus did not become our main critic? John chapter 3, verse 17, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. People will be saved because you don't condemn them and become critical of your own church. Just as the two brothers covered their father's failings, Jesus covers our failings. He doesn't expose, He doesn't ridicule, but rather He covers it with His blood. In our text, Noah fails. There is no mercy for the father from this one son. You know, you can say, well, he sinned, and I agree. He, he, he's, he's, he's Father Noah to all the vintners. I got you. Okay. He should not have gotten naked. I absolutely agree with you. And they always go together. Okay. But if you think about it, if you know anything about biblical, uh, when things were written, there were no major, major slams against alcohol, except for a, a few of the Proverbs had been written at that time to advise against it. Cursed is a person who gives his neighbor to drink, and, and watch out for wine. It's very, very dangerous. So in one sense, you know, he's making medicine, okay? Just stay with me for a second, <laughs> Okay. I'm not making an excuse for Noah. He, you know, he, he, had, he has his dirty hands on one of the most violent, horrible things that will happen in the world, across the world, alcohol. But in one sense, it is a fail that he recovers from. And we know this because God actually allows him to curse his son. You go, no, he's the one that got drunk. No, no, God's hand is still upon him. See, God is still with your father. Whether you know it or not, everyone, I love how people just want to just give up on their dad, you know. You know, we don't give up on our dad because God is still with him, okay? And so you better remember that, okay? We see this oh-so-common trait in the man once again, Genesis 9.21. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. This is obviously a major violation against kingdom principles. The Bible is filled with warnings against drink. However, Noah did so without all, any known knowledge to forbid it. I don't want to make allowances for his sin, and yet his decision could be summed up in not so much as a willful disobedience, but just something that's not wise. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever led astray by it is not wise. An error of judgment, a failure, an inadequacy, 
The Bible is filled with these examples. Noah fails. There was no mercy from his son, though, and the father makes these uh, makes the huge mistake, and then his son has to pay for it. We see this oh-so-common once again. Genesis 9, 20, 21, then he drank the wine and was drunk and became uncovered in his tent. This is a violation, I agree, but it is not the end of the world. And Noah will continue to live another 950 years, and his curses and his blessings will stick upon the people that he puts it upon. It is always a sign that you are moving away from God when you don't honor God or his man. Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, isn't it true that a son honors his father and a worker his master? So if, if I'm your father, where's the honor? If I'm your master, where's the respect? The whole concept of fathers and son and honor is woven into the tapestry of the Bible. And this is the basis of what discipleship is. Ham was set to be a servant of servants, cursed, to remain at the bottom of the heap. He was cursed to see his brothers go on to grow in God, be fruitful whilst they, while he did not prosper. You know, I don't know if you've ever had somebody that wants to beef with you. They they, they enjoy beef. They like drama. They don't watch drama, but they like to bring it to the church. They're, you know, it's a new word, beefing. I don't know if you've heard that word, but beefing. Yeah. What's your beef? I mean, in our day, we'd say, what's your beef, right? But now, now it's turned into a verb. Beefing. If you find somebody in the church that wants to beef with you, ignore them. Okay? And don't make a federal case about it. Okay? Because there are always people who are petty and want to beef with people. Okay? Dodd touched on this this morning. Almost everybody's touched on it. We're kind of getting a theme. Have you gotten the theme here? It's amazing how many times they've said son, father, uh, you know, all of these different things. You, you, you don't need to answer every fool according to their folly. In fact, Proverbs 26, 4 says, don't answer a fool according to his folly, lest you become like him. When somebody's trying to get a texty with me and get nasty with me over text, I immediately will not answer their text. Yes, I will ghost you, okay? <laughs> Because you don't have any respect for the position. You have no respect for our church. I have somebody who wants to fight with me constantly over text. And look, the man of God is always on trial. So you have to understand this. This is something, if you're ever going to pastor, you may not like this experience. But you are always on trial. And that's why you appreciate people when they have your back. It doesn't mean that you're covering sin. It just simply means that you don't immediately assume the worst about the man of God who, who you know nothing about but goodness for 35 years, and then you take this the word of some backslider who's been in the church for three weeks that's found a fault with your pastor, shame on you. Shame on you. Three weeks, 35 years. Do the math. I'm just saying. Get the back of the man of God, support the man of God, support the house of God, and become an honorable son. So, anyway. Our uh, assistant pastor was preaching the other day, Pastor Conrad Heiler, who's here, and he, he was talking about the Koch brothers. How do you spell that, uh, brother? K-O-C-H. I guess they're big conservative uh, supporters of politics and things, the Koch brothers. Do you know that they've been in, how long, is, how long have they been in this family feud? Over 50 years. Yeah. I, I know people in church like that. <laughs> they want to fight, you know. You want, to, you want to beef? Find somebody else as shallow as you. Because I'm not interested in beefing with anybody. I'm not, and I, I want to believe the best about you. That's called giving people the benefit of the doubt. Okay? By the way, there's, each one of those words is important. Benefit of the doubt. 
okay? I'm doubting you, but I'm gonna give you the benefit right now, okay? <laughs> 50 years in one family for crying out loud, but this is how it works. I read a story about the San Diego, one of the titans of San Diego. At one point, one, in, uh, one of every eight people in the city of San Diego worked for this man. He owned the entire uh, uh, Coronado Island. He also owned huge portions of San Diego, and he fought and sued amongst their brothers for like 40 or 50 years. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I don't want to live my life like that. I'm going to enjoy my life. Oh, thank you very much. Anyway, and I'm going to try to be an honorable son at the same time. Let's talk lastly about exactly that. Let's be about becoming an honorable son. Because I get, I told you earlier, you're becoming something whether you know it or not. We must acknowledge this is a major problem, first of all, in God's family to avoid picking up the spirit of Ham. Uh, the, guy, the guy who was preaching about, he had some amazing stories of him having to survive being abused by other people in the church. Stunning stories that really uh, helped me to understand uh, the bigger issue here uh, of, this, of, this, of, this, of this thing. I want to show you two pictures here really quick. My wife and I just got back from South Africa. We took 46 books uh, with us, which uh, is very expensive uh, <laughs> to pay for extra luggage. Actually, they, they were pretty kind to me because I've, I've been flying a lot. So they've been, they've been giving me some free uh, things. But I want to show you two books that I took. Well, I took one of these books. This one here is called Love Your Church. Love Your Church. And it's part, of seri it's part of a series. So I took this to every one of the pastors, signed it out over to the pastor. Love Your Church. Okay, so this is a book. This is a copy of it right here. So, And this is what we have taught for Bible study for about the last... Uh, three or four months or something like that. Really fall in love with your church. The second one in the series is called Belong because you belong to the body of Christ. Okay, Belong to the body of Christ. And here's the second one as well. This one here is called A Critical Spirit. Anybody ever picked up A Critical Spirit in church? Is it just me? <laughs> I had an older one of, my, one, one of my older saints the other day. That I was talking to him and he goes, you know, sometimes I just get really critical. And I'm like, not you. <laughs> Yes, me. And I just sit there and I hear people just give their testimony. No, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. You know, and so you can sit in church and get a very critical spirit. And guess what? There's people who write books about it and you can get delivered. <laughs> so it's a real thing. You know, it's like, here's your generation. Is it a thing? Yes, it's a thing to have a critical spirit. They write whole books about it. Okay, about people getting a critical spirit when you're judging everything, everybody's motives, and all this. Man, you re resign as a master of the universe. You're not that important. You're God. It all begins with a genuine love for God's people. I'm a true believer on this subject. I did a whole series of sermons on regaining your love for God's people. One of those sermons was called The Best People You Will Ever Know. I didn't say they're the best Christians in San Diego. I said they're the best Christians you'll ever know. Okay. Think about that for a second. I'm, I'm absolutely cheeky about this stuff. Because I get tired of people trying to tear down God's people. Shame on you. Shame on you. What kind of, what kind of a, a man of God or woman of God tears down what God is trying to build? It frustrates me to no end, man. So I preach, I preach one sermon called regaining, keyword regaining, because you lost something that you used to have which was a love for God's people. So that was the first one. And the second one, which I really love, I like the cheeky title, the best people you'll ever know. I didn't say they were the best Christians. I said they were the best people you personally will ever know. Because once you talk yourself out of the church, because of your critical spirit, you're never going to meet a harder working bunch of Christians in the whole world. You go, you don't know that. Well, I've traveled the world and I've never seen a group like this, my friend. 
I just told you about the, our, our couple in Mexico, two Guatemala, two Guatemalans, Diego and Gustavo, and, a, and a, I'm sorry, two, one Guatemalan, two Uruguayans reaching Mexico. One time we had a, a missionary in South Africa that was in Mozambique, and he's Lebanese, she's Chinese, they're from Australia, <laughs> pastoring in Mozambique, he preaches in English, and she translates, she's Chinese, right next to the platform on a chair into Portuguese. Tell me this isn't the finest fellowship on the planet. If you don't believe that, I feel sorry for you. That's all. That's all. I just feel sorry for you. That's all. Because you don't see the excellence of the people sitting right next to you. Do you know what these people have been through to continue to give over the many, many decades? You hear the incredible thankfulness of Alfie Fisher, an old soldier of the cross, amen, saying, thank God for the people in Tempe. And you can feel it from his heart, man. Okay, That's the way real Christians respond to other real Christians. Thank God for you people. Anyway, let me get back to my story. <laughs> have you ever heard the phrase, overexposure makes things common? Yeah, it's a phrase outside of Christianity. And guess what? We are very overexposed to each other. <laughs> Way too much of you. <laughs> what that means, overexposure makes things common, means overexposure makes things cheap. Our fellow Christians are not cheap or common. They are bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Just saying. <laughs> That's my opinion. Japheth, Shem, and Ham had all had a choice in what type of son they wanted to be, and so do we. Every time this comes up, it says, we have a choice in the matter. I've never seen a perfect family yet, but our Bible preaches that is how we process the failures of our fellow Christians is the test of our great Christianity. Ham's spirit was not just a sin against his father. It was a sin against the unity of his family. Ham had a choice, and so do we. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and your mother that your days will be long upon the earth. I know you, every preacher knows that scripture, but that's the one that has a promise connected to it. And your days will be long upon the earth. I was telling the buckles, I said, man, you guys look so young. Well, 40 years of no alcohol, drugs, fornication, adultery, and STDs? Yeah, you're going to look pretty good. Okay? Just saying. Just saying. It works. It works. You know, all the, almost every murder is connected to alcohol, drugs, or some other thing. Almost every murder, almost every uh, violence, almost every domestic call. It's a blessing to be saved. And it's a blessing to serve God with all you people. Before you get upset with me for my sermon, amen. I love you. Exodus chapter, uh, I just read that. This seems to teach us... <laughs> This seems to teach us that we have a choice in honoring our father and mothers and reaping the reward of honoring long term. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, I'm almost done. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long upon the earth. That's actually in the New Testament. I believe that we, if we ignore this understanding of our own demise or to our own demise, no one can correct you once you become a dishonorable son. It's past the opportunity to have a conversation with you about that. And so the pastor stays quiet and lets the hams of his congregation depart. Don't be one of those people. You know, you can't, you can't control what other people do, but you're going to go, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And our church has a pastor, you know. And by the way, I've had many pastors in this same church, and I'm still here. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. 
I, I don't care what anybody tells me about anything because I, I know, I, I can read, I know what's actually going on with leadership. Solomon seems to believe that honor would be given to those who honor others. It's the whole concept of sowing and reaping covered in the New Testament. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 16, length of days is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. There's prosperity and honor again. An honorable son finishes his father's business. John 8, 16 says, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I am with my father who sent me. Again, we are finishing our father's business. John 6.38, for I have come down from heaven, not to my own will, but to do the will of him who sent me. We come here doing the will of those who sent us. This is the will of the father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the son, believes in him, may have everlasting life and will be raised to him on that last day. Here we go with the father and son illustrations. I was reading through Timothy the other day. I was working on the sermon. I came across the scripture and says in verse number 19, but I trust the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly that I also may be encouraged when I know your state for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state for all seek their own, not the things which are of Christ Jesus. But you know this proven, his proven character, that as a son, there it is again, with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Therefore, I hope to send him at once. As soon as I see how it goes with me, I might, I, but I trust in the Lord that I myself shall also come shortly. Before Tempe had a conference, we were, there was a few of us that were adopted into Prescott temporarily adopted into Prescott. And as far as I know, there was a guy named John that went to, uh, to uh, Hong Kong. Bob Hall has been adopted and sent all over the world. And I was adopted into the Prescott Church as a temporary worker uh, with uh, resident status. <laughs> but I always knew where home was. You understand? And so I thank God, I thank God that Pastor Mitchell allowed the... George churches to be a part of the Tempe wing. Aren't you blessed? Amen. Pastor Mitchell allowed that because I was supported by him. Yes, money was sent from Tempe, but I thank God that I was allowed to come home. And some people never made it home. I'm very, very blessed. Pastor Bald Mahal has been all over the world uh, and been a blessing to our fellowship. And we're here today because we love our house. We love our people. And the other thing is it's not one pastor that we're loyal to. It's the people of God. I, I just noticed that. I just want you to notice that. It's five different pastors that I've had, and I know many of them have had many more. The Honorable Sons of Claremont have a compliment that they compliment each other. They'll call themselves true sons. Oh, he's a true son. I think that's a good compliment. Amen. Not of me, but of our wing. And I, and I, I take that very seriously. There's a parable of two sons in the Bible. But what do you think? A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterwards he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. This preaches that there is hope for those who rejected the first call to work in his father's vineyard. An honorable son ultimately finishes his father's business just like Pastor Greg is doing, and even said the exact same words when he took over our fellowship. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that the tax collectors and harlots will enter the kingdom of God before you, 
For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent and believe him. Why? Because they understood the concept of family. Your church is your family. That includes adoptees. I've had to adopt some people who have come some from some rough families, and so I have a few adoptees. Unfortunate situations do arise sometimes. By the way, that's no excuse not to become an honorable son in your new family. Verse number six, God sets the solitary in families. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity, but the rel- Rebellious dwell in a dry land. That's what it says. So I believe that those are the family of God. He takes the solitary and he places them in families. If it's not, if that's if, if that's a birth, like women birth, I, I, I don't see how that can, is possible. He took the solitary, placed them in a family, and you have no... You know, when a person's trying to leave my church, I go, did God give you permission? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Oh, really? Really? Because he never gave me permission. On you go. <laughs> Again, there's no, there's no convincing the hams that want to leave. That's why I'm trying to have a conversation with you now. <laughs> let's have a little convo. Huh? Let's get this thing straight. I'm going to stay where God placed me. You should have a conviction. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> Don't believe every lie about your pastor also. I'm going to close. He said, man, you said that a few minutes ago. <laughs> Look at the phrasing here as I close. He brings out those who are bound into prosperity. That's good news. And he leads the prisoners to freedom. i got a few more minutes. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> the text also speaks of blessing for both Seth and Japheth. In fact, 927 says, May God enlarge Japheth, and he, may he dwell in the tents of Shem. This is the blessing that we want to concentrate on. It is a reference to us and to the Gentiles. The Israelite nation came from Shem. We, the Gentiles, come from Japheth. Through the atoning work of Christ, we dwell in the tents of the people of promise. This is the great privilege purchased by the blood. Interesting to see that Noah said to Japheth, may God enlarge him. In a good sense, this word means literally that as a man, he would be increased. This is the man that like a mustard seed grows and becomes fruitful. Matthew 13, 32 which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air can come and nest in the branches. This is the promise of fruitfulness. Psalms 1.3 says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. I want to tell you one last story. I started to look up the generals. I, 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 we're doing a, a serious men's class on, uh, there's a book called Manly's, Man's, Maxfield's Manly Book on Men and Masculine Attitude, something like that. <laughs> anyway, we're doing a serious men's class uh, on this book. And they talk in that book about Patton. And I had read the book and I was sharing it with the guys in, in the serious men's class. And I thought I'd look up the top 10 generals of all times in America, thinking that Patton would someplace be in the, in the, in the uh, lineage of there. But I, I found out he's actually number one in the entire list of the greatest generals of all times. Patton. Stunning. Well, something happened with Patton. 
And Patton, his, his, uh, he was under a commander during World War I named Pershing. And so Pershing, he finds out, is dying in the hospital. And he goes to the hospital. I'm just going to kind of act it out a little bit for you. And, you know, Pershing's laying there. He's a man's man. He's not going to lay his hands on anybody. Okay? But this, this man, Patton, believed that he needed his father's blessing to go to war. And so he comes along to the side of the bed and he says, Stay, or he goes, he told him, sit down, Georgie. You know, that's what he called George Patton, the greatest general of all times. <laughs> Georgie, okay, because the father can call you whatever he wants to. Anyway. <laughs> so, he, and he puts his hand on Georgie and he says something like, Godspeed, hope you win, take care. <laughs> Lifted his hand. Like, what's the big deal? He understood something. He became the greatest general, in my opinion, because he understood the lineage. He understood something that many people don't understand. You're never going to become great on your own. And very few of us are actually even going to do anything great for God without this group of people. Let's be honest. Well, I was going to be the first single missionary to China. Why, why, why are you trying to blow up my, all my dreams? No, you're going to do very little without the God's people. Without God's people. <laughs> anyway, when God helped us to join our churches and put us where he wanted to, he blessed us. My mother church has had five pastors since I got saved. We finally got one that would actually do the will of God, and his name is Pastor Olson. <laughs> Pastor Mitchell told me one time, I picked him up during a bad rebellion in 1990 at the airport. That was my job because I worked at the airline, so they thought I knew everything about the airlines. So, Joe, can you pick up Pastor Mitchell? Yes, I can. So I picked him up. And he, we were driving someplace, and it was right in the middle of the rebellion, and he told me, and I, you know, I'm saying about this guy and this guy, and he goes, Joe, look, if a person really wants to serve God, the fellowship is a great place to do that. It's not rocket science, man. You want to serve God? If you want a big name, don't do that here, okay? Because we don't care, okay? You know, what, you know what you can do? If you really want to serve God, key words, serve God, this is a great place to do it, because we're going to check your ego. Mm. Because you're just a brother. You know, I'm nothing special, okay? And nobody's anything that special. You couldn't blast me out of my church. They are my family. And I have a responsibility as a brother, as an uncle, and as a son. And I take those responsibilities very seriously. Our text says in the message paraphrase, God makes home. I love the way it's, it is a paraphrase, but still listen, it's magnificent. God makes home for the homeless, leads prisoners to freedom, but leaves rebels to rot in hell. <laughs> A little advice to my friends and my fellow brothers. Be an honorable son. If you don't do anything else, at least be an honorable son to your family. Amen. And watch the blessing flow into your lives. Amen. I'd like you to bow your heads with me for a moment as we close. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless.